It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that features hosts recording from Ocean City and College Park on a beautiful Wednesday. Oh, what a swig of wine from Banks here <laughs> to start the podcast. We're back for we're back for another week of Baltimore sports talking, guys. Uh, obviously, I think the you know the dominant storyline of the last few days is is the you know revelation or the the revival of the Ravens revelation not the right word the revival of the Ravens as a legitimate candidate to win the AFC to be a Super Bowl team people are rolling back the respect train they're talking about John Harbaugh coach of the year we're talking about Eric DaCosta getting through all the guys that I are Devontae Freeman is in you know people want to trade for him rumors on ESPN.com a lot of things going on uh where do you guys see the Ravens at this point do you agree with those lofty now um, extended expectations, or are we still trying to figure out if this team is the team that beat the Chargers or needed a, a thousand yard field goal to beat the Lions? Where do we feel like this team sits in those two extremes? I think this week and the way the last few weeks have played out, it just serves as a reminder of what kind of culture, what kind of front office, what kind of organization the Ravens have. Uh, the coaching staff, the way that they've evolved throughout not having some of the, the weapons that they've had. Wink Martindale, I think, has done a tremendous job of changing the identity of the defense. And there's been some significant misses. I mean, the Colts game was brutal, but then he bounces back with an awesome game against the Chargers. You could say the same thing from week to week with the, with the Raiders and the Chiefs the next week. Um, he keeps finding new ways to reinvent this defense. And the players, they, I mean, they, they're coming through in a big way, and, and, and it helps. And, and this is where I started to think about the front office. It helps to have these players um, that maybe maybe they're not experienced, like an Anthony Averett coming into the year, not all that experienced. Um, and then you see a rookie like Brandon Stevens out there that is getting a lot of run, more than he probably ever expected to get at this point. Um, there's been some serious misses by him, but along the way you see some, some flashes of brilliance. And uh, it just goes to show you what stacking these draft picks – in these middle rounds can do uh, for a front office. I mean, Eric DaCosta has done an incredible job over the years of, of um, not just stacking a lot of depth in the organization, but learning lessons from years like 2014, where the, the, the cornerback depth was completely decimated and the team had no shot um, going up to new England in that game and, and, and holding it together. So um I don't know. I'm, I'm just wildly impressed with this organization time and time again, they come to prove that they're first class, you know, near the top of the league. And um, even with all the injuries, like we did, you still have a guy like Lamar Jackson that does a job and here we are, we're on top of the AFC. I mean, it's shocking, but at the same time, we should be, the conversation maybe should be, are we all that surprised? I was going to say, like you, you said shocking, but I think if if eight weeks ago before the injuries to JK, Gus, you know, the list goes on and on. If I would have told you guys, hey, guess what? The Ravens are gonna be five and one after six weeks, you'd say, Yeah, I with their schedule, you know, probably. And then obviously that tune would have probably changed a couple of weeks later when what was it, Black Thursday they're calling it, and all those injuries came. Um, I, I I'm with you, like obviously right now because of, you know, a certain game on Monday night, they're the number one seed in the AFC um, right now, obviously there's a lot, a lot of time left, but um, yeah, I mean, they're looking like, they're looking like the best team in the AFC right now. Obviously there's a long schedule, long season left. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they look banks kind of just echoing what you said. The, 
Harbaugh can always the team seems so much tighter and friendlier and like like they legitimately like being around each other than than a lot of the other teams. Um, and again, I think they really preached that family and and like the like you said the Costa the, just the way that they run the team from the org like the top down. It, it's just a I know like it doesn't pain me to say it because it's whatever, but like they're just a first class organization all the way. Um, and again, it just it reflects the, their play on the field reflects the front office and all that. Um, they're, they're just, it, they're just consistently always good. So yeah. I, and it's like, sometimes they play down to their opponents, but they also play up to their opponents in the big games. Like we've seen with the chiefs and the chargers. And then, you know, sometimes they play down to the lions and play down to the Colts a bit more times than not, they find a way to pull it out. So I, I'm, I mean, obviously right again, right now, they're probably odds on favorites to win the AFC. I think if you're looking at a, a sports book right now, still no, maybe bills. No, no, they're still, they're, they're third still. The Behind chiefs the and the bills, bills are chiefs. still ahead of the Ravens. So, which is funny because I'm looking at the playoff picture right now and the chiefs, you got to scroll down to, you got to scroll down to nine to get to them. Yeah. It's just two games though. I get mm-hmm. it. The chiefs, the chiefs are the chiefs. Like they're, they're, yep. You could say a lot of the things that that we just said about the Ravens, about that organization, um, and Andy Reid as a whole. So, I mean, I kind of like it that way. I kind of like to say as as much as the standings say, and we like being on top of those AFC standings, um, for Vegas to kind of say one thing and kind of keep that chip on our shoulder a little bit. Because, yeah, I I think we talked about this on Sunday a little bit, the the roadmap to at least 9-1 here before we get to some serious, serious division games. And let me be clear, I'm not looking past this week's game either because it's a big one. Um, it's the biggest of the next four, I would say. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, the the stars seem to be aligning for a 9-1 and one start, which would be the best in franchise history. Um, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's it's this team looks like it's in a better position than it was two years ago at this point in the season. And who knows what those Browns games will look like with – Baker's shoulder is obviously a big story with him being out for – he may just be out because it's a Thursday night game coming off that basically no rest. But, I mean, that's something that I know every Ravens fan is going to be – they're going to be refreshing every Cleveland beat writer's, you know, timeline for the next couple of weeks seeing uh, what's up with that shoulder. So. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because I was talking – I was actually talking to Johnny over Jamie's uh, today about this for a minute. I was also talking to him about him. Yeah, about the it, same but. thing. Like, okay – Nobody is nobody's willing to say this on record or say it like on Twitter because the second they say this, Lamar's gonna get hurt. But look around and you, you see Lamar Jackson has played every game since he became a starter, except for when he got COVID. And then you look over at Baker Mayfield getting banged up. Ben Roethlisberger is a like just a revolving injury. Joe Burrow missed a ton of time in his rookie season already. And you look around, I mean, Mahomes had ankle issues in the one year. Like, you look around the league and Lamar Jackson, his style of play was supposed to be such that this guy can't sustain that. He's going to get hurt no matter what. There's no way he can do that. And he's out here starting every game um, because he avoids contact because he's quick enough and he's shifty enough to avoid taking the big hit. Um, And But nobody's willing to go out on a limb and say that now and then have him get hurt the next week and look like the the guy that chased that tweet will get so ratioed and retweeted. And, I know. And just, so I'm not going to do the exactly. tweet. I'm just going to say that. We all see it. We all see it. It's funny that nobody says that, that nobody's willing to, you know, talk about that narrative. 
Um, but then also like, yeah, I'm, I'm still like on eggshells even saying it right now. Yeah, I, I think that the, the one thing that's been so fascinating about it that I think about it and I sort of set up the, the question that way is like, this is a five and one football team and, and number one seed in the AFC with all the things that have happened an incredible accomplishment. The way some of these games have ended, it could easily be in a different, it could easily be a different record. You could easily have a loss to Detroit, easily have a loss to Kansas City, easily have a win against Oakland. So, but if, if even if the Ravens had lost those games, you would have gone back to all, you know, how would you have ever overcome this? How, you know, whatever, whatever. So for them to sort of have the, and I, I think the word grit is overused, but I think going back, it's sort of a, a culture of winning that helps you get through and, and get W's in those games. Certain organizations win games like that and get through this and certain don't. And the Ravens are one that ones that do. And that's why your point about Kansas city is so true. You, you would feel like the Kansas city is going to get through and eventually get to their 12 wins or their 11 wins, just because that's where they are. That, you know, they, you watch, you watch, and, and we get only get so much sometimes out of these mic'd up things. You watch Pernell McPhee's speech. Like that's a guy that is not on a lot of people's minds, but his speech to the team beforehand and the ownership that you see in that, not over just the team's performance, but also, you know, the ownership over, you know, a team coming into the building and, and, and winning a game there. And I'm sure, you know, you have everybody that gives speeches like that, but you truly believe it when you watch the Ravens play. Um, and maybe that's just because we're closer to them. Uh, but you, you, you're not going to be surprised when you see the team in the playoffs. And once you get there, you never know what's going to happen. But um, a really impressive start. I think that, you know, obviously they go into this very, very important stretch, as you said. Um, we're starting to put the pieces together as maybe the team – not Cleveland that is really one and two with the Ravens in the AFC North. It's clearly not Pittsburgh. I know they, they, they were able to, to gut out a win against Seattle, but you watch them play. Gino. I mean, God, that game yeah, it's Gino. And you watch that, pl- you watch that game and that game was horrible. The first two quarters, just bad football, just straight up. Those two teams weren't good. Um, no. And so and Russell Wilson is no longer there to bail the Seahawks out from the, no, but he was doing have. the two minute drill. So from Pete Carroll, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Can I give you a real quick take on the Russell Wilson two minute drill? By the way, I think you he's just you doing, didn't mind it. He's doing visual. I think he's doing visualization. I know everybody thinks that that's for the cameras, but I think that's like mental reps, which is like a big thing, you know, in a lot of different sports. Mental reps and visualization. Yeah, like, just throwing it out there. Russell I know Wilson. he's got the reputation. It's Russell Wilson's like even like Taylor Twelman played soccer, ESPN soccer analysis was like attacking him. He was like, oh look at all those cameras around Russell <laughs> Wilson. I didn't really have a problem with that. I kind of liked it to be honest. Maybe I'm, attack me, attack me if you hate my Russell Wilson take. Um, but you know, you have Joe Burrow, a really talented group of receivers. Uh, Jamar chase looks like a guy that is going to be really annoying to deal with for a long, long time. Last year, when I watched the Bengals, I thought T Higgins was going to be that guy. Now Jamar chase just surpassed him. T Higgins is still really good. Uh, you know, they have Joe Mixon and it's a defense that has performed pretty well. If you, you know, look at the metrics, um, and like, the, I don't know if anybody goes into DVOA and all that stuff on football outsiders, but they have the fifth best defense in football right now. So, um, have played pretty well defensively, according to that metric, which there's a ton of different metrics you can look at, but according to that metric, that's where they are. Yeah, it's shocking because the, the defense is what's done them in. The, the offense last year, even with Joe Burrow as the rookie quarterback, was kind of respectable. And uh, it just it came down to the Ravens, uh, or not the Ravens, just the Ravens, but teams able to just run it right down the Bengals' throat. And they're starting to show some teeth on that front. So it, it's that's for sure the most interesting thing. Um the Ravens, I, this is 
something that I completely forgot about until I something made me tweet about it a couple of weeks ago. The Ravens put up 405 rushing yards on this Bengals team in week 17 last year. That's insane. I think it was close to an NFL record. Um, so that is kind of the entire narrative for me in this game is, is the Bengals, are they going to kind of shore up their, however they defend these, these run schemes that the Ravens put together and Lamar Jackson, we all know what he's done against the Bengals in terms of electric runs and, and even just consistent runs um, throughout games. So that's, that's, you know, first and foremost, the biggest thing I'm going to see. And then, like you said, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Joe Burrows coming into his own here against the secondary that, yeah, they played a great game, but you know, that week was last week. This is still a lot of the same guys that had just a week before that one of the ugliest past defense performances that you can imagine. So um, those are kind of the two things I'm looking at this week uh, in this big divisional matchup. I mean, you, we've talked about it, but Jamar Chase is awesome. And we didn't even talk about Tyler Boyd, like Tyler Boyd, I, is he technically their three, two, maybe T Higgins? Is I would say three? three. I would say T Higgins is the number two. I mean, we don't, I, we don't I, say I, that name around here. I mean, uh, teams would kill to have a guy like that as their quote third receiver. Like Chase had all those problems in the um, oh, last catch. Uh, sorry, watch preseason. The yeah, yeah, in the in the preseason, and and I mean, he's been awesome since. I think the chemistry with him and Burrow really helps. I've really been impressed by Burrow, uh, especially just coming off that knee injury and and how severe that really was last year. Um, and I mean, we've seen some quarterbacks get off to really slow starts after injuries like that. He's been awesome. He had the one bad game against it was the bears where I think he threw picks on like three plays out of three out of five plays or something. It was really bad. Um, Joe Mixon, he's been really good too. I mean, he's a super shifty. He, I mean, that's I, Joe Mixon is what I feel like JK Dobbins could be like the, yeah, Joe Mixon is a, sneaky, really good, good a sneaky, great player and has been for longer than I think people realize. Mm-hmm. The offense and, well, the just both sides of the ball for the Bengals have just been so bad the last two or three years where mm-hmm. they've just never been able to use him in an effective manner. Yeah, I mean, like, like he like, he's averaging 80 yards a game rushing. He's 480 yards in the six games. His receiving numbers aren't great. I knew he had a big one last. He's only – it's 13 catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. He had a big one uh, – a 40 yarder this last week, but I, I really liked Joe Mixon. Um, I feel like we've said it for like three or four weeks in a row now, like the running backs out of the backfield could be a problem for the linebackers because again, Mixon is a, he's a speedy guy. He's a shifty guy. Get him in space, um, you know, and matched up against a linebacker. You'd probably, you'd probably eat him up. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the offense is really good. And I, I feel like you can almost carbon copy what we said last week. Like there could be a lot of points here and it could be a shootout. Um, Really good game, but I it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the defense attacks um, Burrow, especially, I mean, after the masterpiece that Wing threw up last week, you get that just put Herbert in an absolute blunder. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, Do you want to hear the uh, the rushing numbers? I had that box score from last year. Yeah, hit it. So 54 carries, 404 total, only two touchdowns. Dobbins, 13 for 160 and two. Lamar, 11 for 97. Gus, 12 for 60. Ingram nine for 39 Duvernay one for 22 uh, our boy Justice Hill two for 21 Tyler Huntley six for five six for five six rushes five yards yeah long JK broke it open with like a 75 yarder late 72 yarder yeah if long I remember still. right yeah one of one of the one of the things I think that it, it, 
and this was, I think the Browns in a previous life. I don't think they're necessarily there anymore with the team that they put together. The Bengals are going to have to get over just the mental hurdle of getting, have getting pounded by the Ravens the last three years. <laughs> uh, I've got the stat in front of me. Since Zach Taylor became the coach of the Bengals in 2019, their Baltimore's outscored Cincinnati one, one thirty-seven to 36. I mean, an 101 point differential average margin of victory of 25.6. So, you know, you have Joe Burrow, who's you know, no stranger to winning and, and has, has, has played in huge games in college, but they've got to actually figure out how to beat the Ravens because at this point, they're nowhere close. They have not gotten anywhere close. It was Zach Taylor as the coach. The defense is now better. The Ravens are now dealing with more weapons, but we've seen time out, and we just saw with, with, with Herbert, as you said, you know, coming in with all this, all this acclaim and everything, and then the Ravens figure out a way to beat them. Will they do the same with Joe Burrow? I'm just fascinated by the, the, the mental block of that. I think about that with like, you know, a team like, you know, Maryland football has that with teams that you should have not beaten. And you're just like, it's hard to believe you can beat them. Not saying not all the Bengals are going to go into the game with the belief they're going to win, but that is like getting pounded by a franchise for that long. You know, you've got to really, really put on a shift to beat them. You know what, what doesn't help for you to clear that mental hurdle is when you do like your organization does things like practice under a bridge and then have, (laughs) the TV cart uh, for your microphone podium for your press conferences. So we said all these great things about the Ravens organization and the way they do things, top-notch stuff. The Bengals over there in Cincinnati just run this penny-pinching operation. They just kind of take their cut of the league revenue share, and I think they're in it just for the dollar, and it, it stinks I would think that it stinks to be a Bengals fan, not just because just because of losing, but just because of the way they do it. And because they the Bengals don't have dysfunction like some of the other NFL franchises. They're not like a clown show like the Jets or the football team. I mean, geez, the football team just writes a chapter every other week with the stuff that they do. Um, but sneaky, the Bengals just have this just bottom barrel operation that they run here. And they just, I think the owner just takes his check. And it's got to be brutal being a Bengals fan just sitting through that. So what I'm saying is as a Ravens fan, as, as we say these things and we appreciate not just the, the winning culture and all the things that the organization does, we should appreciate too that the owner like gives a shit about winning and does these things in order to treat the players in a way and build this air environment that helps and fosters the winning culture that exists. It's just top to bottom. I think we just need to, you know, every once in a while just step back and say, Hey, like thank god the ravens run things the way they do and then like the Bengals, ouch like i don't know just every time we play the Bengals, i think about things like that. i mean it's it's 20 years of the Bengals, you know under the marvin lewis regime getting close in the playoffs getting to the playoffs getting close to division titles not getting over the hump losing with dalton they just they just they you have to think that was their ceiling people. There've been some good things there, and you're like, well, this is just this is what's going to always happen. They're going to make, they're going to stumble into some wild cards. They're going to, you know, maybe win a division every decade. But this is just not a franchise that can win the Super Bowl. Um, it's like I look at the the football team the exact same way right now. That's a franchise that's just not winning the Super Bowl right now. They're just not the Jets. That's a franchise that's not winning the Super Bowl right now. The Giants. That's a franchise that's not winning the Super Bowl right now. The Lions. The Lions. The Bengals have just for right have fit into that category. Now, this is their best team since maybe the prime Dalton years. I don't even know what you define the prime Dalton years <laughs> as. But it's been a while since they were this frisky. 
What so, was the year where Vontez went nuts on in on AB yeah. in the playoff game? Was that 2015, 16? Sounds about right. This isn't your older brother's Saturday 430 wild card game Bengals. No, no. Yeah, yeah 2015. Bengals, uh, yeah. Bengals, yeah. Uh, Bengals, Texans. I mean, Saturday, losing in the wild card game six out of seven years is a truly impressive decision. <laughs> to not luck in the one win is absolutely it's insane. Them and the Minnesota Twins are sneaky, like incredibly first round playoff exit stuff. Mm-hmm. But they, the thing, the difference between like those two teams, for whatever reason, just never have expectations that they're going to exceed that per se. They just do what it needs to get done to get to that level, and then they just lose. They just bow out and say, thank you very much. Uh, the the uh, top-class organizations will take it from here. And the funny part is you kind of have to give them some credit. Like, that was an era where they were winning the division title twice with Andy Dalton, who, I mean, by no means is was ever what? Like, maybe crept into the top 15 of NFL quarterbacks, maybe the top 12. He's never a top 10 quarterback in the NFL at any point in his career. He was, he was always fine. He was fine. Like that's mm-hmm. it. He was just, uh, yeah. Like I'm like he was never a, an above average quarterback. I don't think. It's just interesting because obviously this this the tectonic plates of the AFC North is not like a national story, but I think for Ravens fans, it's something like you think about because you play these teams two these teams two times every year. Couldn't get that out of my mouth. And now with Joe Burrow, it just feels like the Bengals are the ones set up to be the Ravens peer for the next, you know five or six years, depending on how it goes. You never know. The The Browns are there with a very talented roster. If they can figure out if Baker's the guy or, or move on and trade for a veteran, maybe that's what they do. The Steelers seem like they're in the worst spot with the organizational depth, and they put nobody behind Ben Roethlisberger, so they've got to figure it out. Um, Burrow versus Jackson could be a, could be fireworks, could be absolute you know, Sunday night football every single year type of stuff if the Bengals continue sort of on this trajectory where they've got a star – to match up with the Ravens uh, star power. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. And this game is sort of going to maybe set the stage for that. The Ravens and Bengals play two really great games this year. Game will be on primetime next year because they'll be seen as the two best teams in the division. Um, so fascinating stuff. And, and Cincinnati, um, God, it just must suck. You just lose in the wildcard game every year. What an organization. And you have to eat that shitty chili and like. Oh my God. Uh, Cinnamon has no business being a chili. Sorry. Not as the no, main no, I'm okay. I'm okay with cinnamon and chili. Not a lot. Like a little scoop of it's fine. Yeah, but if it's if it's the, the highlight of the chili, like it's well, it's also good. like the skyline is not. It's not even chili. Basically, it's like sloppy Joe runoff almost. Chili, chili B- bolognese sauce. Oh, isn't whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I don't like it. Oh, okay. yeah. What'd you say? I don't chili like chili. He said chili snacks. I don't like it. That's a bad take. That's yeah. bad. No, I'm just telling you, cinnamon. Put whatever you want in it. Put crack in it. Don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't eat cracked chili? No. Cracked laced chili? You're putting that on the record. Uh, I would eat – you know what I would eat? You know what I would eat? Ketchup laced chili. Oh, God. That's 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 an inside one. That's an inside one for the real God. ones about my love for ketchup. I don't know if we've talked about it on this show. No, I don't think we have. Yeah, no, it's need gotta... go, no need to go into it now. Predictions for Bengals-Ravens. Uh, let's – I'll take it first. Um, I'll go 30, 30, 24 Ravens. 34, 20 Ravens. Um, 28, 19 Ravens. 19. 
Yeah, yeah I just thought of a weird score at the bottom there. Weird <laughs> score. Going with a weird score. No, I'll tell you what. None of us were close last week, so we'll see. We'll see if we do any better. You, uh, yeah, we were all in the neighborhood for the Ravens. Point, side. yeah, point score. Point the Ravens. I point. was. I picked. I mean, me and RDT picked against the Ravens, but Those we picked the right points. Almost right points for the Ravens. We did. We did. We did. We, did. we do have to be on our toes. Just, just to put this out there. I know nobody wants to think about this or talk about this, but the Bengals have huge tie energy, or at least overtime energy. Hope we don't hope it doesn't come to that. It's a home game here. Maybe the Cincinnati game at Cincinnati is the one that comes to that, but uh just gotta keep an eye on that tie energy. Uh they they do. I mean they have they have ridiculous game energy and they lose in ridiculous ways. They're like one of the teams that just loses in ridiculous ways consistently. Um them, the lot I mean the Lions is just becoming a joke at this point with the ways that they lose. <laughs> um you guys got an you guys got an announcer prediction? I've got him in front of me. Um, I know the answer. I saw it. I, I saw uh, it. Oh, this is. Oh, yeah. We, someone tweeted it out from the account today. Oh, we did. We it I, may have been our own account. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm too. I'm not 100% in, sure on that. Our own social media. I'm not even paying attention to our own. Kevin Harlan turned Green Melody Cons. Love Kevin Harlan. So mm, good. Kevin Harlan against the Bengals. We all know. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the most underrated announcer in sports. He's Nance so and Romo have Chicago. Yes, he's so good. Have Chicago and the box. What a game. That's, I saw people bitching about that. Like, oh, get the fuck out of here. It's like, who, who cares? I don't like, it doesn't matter. Uh, what a game for your Titans, by the way. What a one o'clock window this is going to be for you, Eric. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that game and the, the Ravens-Bengals is really the only good matchups, I think, of like the entire weekend. Nothing else looks promising at all. I, the the primetime games fucking stink. I haven't looked I think, at the slate yet. I think honest. it's Colts 49ers it on Saint, Sunday night. It's Saints. It's Saints Seahawks on Monday night. And yeah, Colts I'm gonna make a survivor pick here. I might. Yeah. I might make a pick here live as I'm looking at this. Yeah, it's yeah. not a. It's, it's not. It's mm, not a good. Rams, out. Lions, Cardinals, Texans, Bucks, Bears, Eagles, Raiders, Giants, Panthers, Patriots, Jets. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, Dolphins, find one. Dolphins, Falcons, Packers, football team are the other games. It's I told you the two good games are Ravens, Bengals, and Titans. Yeah, Chiefs. yeah, gonna be a lot of blowouts on red zone. Might not be a great witching hour this week. No, uh, we do have to touch on a couple of news and notes around the Ravens. Ronnie Stanley, IR. Thanks, you kind of hinted at this for a little bit that you didn't think he would come back. Now official. Feel bad for the guy. You now project out and hope that this is not a long term thing, um, but. It, it it's it's a little concerning it is it is a little concerning that it's a it's a full year shutdown after he was shut down for a long time and it's tough this is a tough injury for alignment it's a really tough injury yeah you just don't know what's what's going to come of it i mean i think people have gotten so accustomed to these acl injuries and knee injuries that it's like oh it's devastating he's going to be out for a long time but the healing process has been so these injuries happen so much that I think doctors have just nailed down surgeries and trainers have nailed down the rehabs. When it comes to an ankle injury, the book might not be as clear. The playbook might not be as cookie cutter as maybe an ACL injury. So I think people's expectations that he was going to come back and be perfectly fine. And we were just going to be on our way with it. We're probably ambitious. Like this is something that can just happen. Um, I mean, I have a cousin who has ankle issues and he's, it's, you get one injury with, you know, that's severe enough and it becomes kind of a chronic thing. So you just, you just don't know what's going to happen with Ronnie Stanley here and it stinks. Um, 
for just, I mean, on so many levels, the guy got such a big contract and got hurt right after. And uh, I know there's a handful of people that are just kind of hammering the guy, whether it be for not rehabbing in some manner that they know nothing about or for not toughing it out and choosing to get the surgery here. It's like, come on, man. Like, you know, nothing. Ronnie Stanley is doing the best he can out there. And I think there's, it's just a shitty situation that doesn't, doesn't, there doesn't need to be fingers pointed at anybody about it. I don't know who answered back, but we got a DM that said, you don't see how Ravens fans could be mad that we paid this guy 130 million. Cause apparently it came out of this guy's pocket. And then uh, someone responded and said, it's a freak injury. It's not his fault. He got rolled up on. And someone said, how about you just fix it after the first time? Doesn't seem that difficult when you got top doctors. <laughs> so, which someone responded back, LOLOL, are you serious? So, yeah, maybe that's something that the Ravens and Ronnie Stanley should look into, getting it fixed the first time. It's, yeah, I mean, because, pe- again, people are, are thinking about this like, well, it's broken. Why isn't it fixed now? It's like it's not – it's not how it works. It's also not I'm a cut and dry. Yeah. It's like this guy's again, he's a physical freak. Yes. He has top doctors. Yes. He's also over 300 pounds. Like he's a very large person. Your body is not meant to your body. First off, is not meant to get rolled up on and snap your leg from the back and with your ankle pointing to the left. Like it's not a normal injury. He didn't roll it playing basketball. It, it, yeah. I mean, I was very surprised when I saw the, the, the people kind of, just trying to – I don't know if they were trying to do hot takes or what. They were trying to get likes and retweets. It worked, but it, it was an insane argument for, I think, people trying to make. Like, I get the point that they were saying, like, should have just said, like, it's disappointing that he's not healthy and it sucks that he's out the rest of the year. But people you know like, oh, he's injury prone. He, he can't stay healthy. That's not it at all. Yeah, you know what's also not helping? And this is a little tiny mini rant that may be unreasonable of mine, but – I am so sick of hearing about Dak Prescott and his ankle and his comeback from that. Like do the stories the first couple of weeks, he comes back. I mean, what he, they had the Thursday night opener, didn't they? Yeah. And then I think they had another primetime game a week after that. We don't have to do every Cowboys game. We don't need to do the narrative every single week. Mm-hmm. So, so should replay. And, so everyone's watching this surgery. nationally, and then you see somebody else with an ankle injury that it didn't go like the 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 rehab or whatever. It hasn't worked out the same. So somehow that makes Ronnie Stanley like a bad guy or something. That's ridiculous. But it's also just like I mean, the simple fact, and this is with anything in life, is just bodies heal differently from different things. Like some people are like really affected by certain things, and some people have really good recovery. Like we don't know about Ronnie Stanley's injury history. Maybe he's had injuries in the past and he hasn't recovered quickly just because th- there's nothing he can do. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. You can do everything. You can rehab and you can come back and it's just not there. And you've got to go back to the drawing board. And obviously, you know, the worst case scenario, and I hate putting this out, but this is just like what happens is this injury, he could just never come back to full strength of what he is. And that happens. Like that happens. Like I, I you know, it happens in football. I think, people you see guys you think about like Derek Rose or Danny Granger or 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 um Brandon Roy and I know there's I'm not these aren't similar injuries these are all different injuries but like sometimes you can get back to a certain place and still be able to play at a high level but not as high as you need to the position Ronnie Stanley plays you really can't come back and like hey you can just play like 15 minutes a game and kind of still have it like what Derek Rose like you can't you're either there or you're not 
and you you're, you're, you can't be serviceable. Like you've your got job to be, is to be a workhorse. It's, yeah, you've got to be yeah. in there every play and get leaned on by athletic freaks that run four five at 285 pounds trying to run around you. And if you can't use your ankles, you're done. Like he, he could be back 85% and that's not good enough. He could be a 90%. That might not be good enough. So the people being negative, I'm fine with criticism for athletes and performance. And there's certain things like the injury stuff is so insane. Like when you get mad at people because they got paid a certain amount of money and now they're not performing for your team because they're hurt. Like you just, you just don't deserve to root for a sports team. Like you, you should step away, go do something else with your life. Yeah, you could easily spin it to say it's insanely tough that he came out and gave it his all on Monday Night Football to open the season, and then we saw how effective he could be with it. That should be all the proof you need that he wasn't okay. So yeah. you can, okay, if you want to criticize the fact that maybe he, he pushed it too much and that going out there that soon was a bad idea, okay, fine. Like You could make that case, but um, – that. The, that decision wasn't necessarily Ronnie Stanley's and Ronnie Stanley's alone. So um, to go at him personally, I have more of a problem with that than anything. Like if you maybe want to try to go at doctors, it's probably very unreasonable for you to do that. But at least yeah, the dumbest thing of all is to go at Ronnie Stanley. He, um, his statement that he put it on Twitter was really, I mean, very raw. You don't heartfelt a lot like that. Like it was a clearly like how bad that he felt and, you never know. I mean, he probably knew how much the season was going to mean and maybe picked a different rehab path that got him back quicker that maybe didn't get him all the way back to where he needed to be. But as you said, he went out and tried to tough it out. I bet when he went out and play, I mean, we're speculating here now, but when he went out and tried to play on Monday, probably knew he wasn't all the way back there, but maybe thought, Hey, I'm going to go out here and this is just going to happen. It'll come back. And like, yeah. I got back for that because he went out there, you know, and could have gotten hurt more, you know, it, it, I think I think that there's the the guy since he got here has been a class act, has been a great player, deserved the money he got clearly. I mean he he was fantastic and everyone's upset because you're like oh you traded the guy that could have been the replacement and gotten the money and it's like you know Ronnie Stanley deserved the money. I hope you know this doesn't make it so he doesn't get all of the money that he deserves. But man, weird weird reaction. So hope hope, hope the guy gets well. It's also like, imagine if he had come out at before the first game and been like, I'm not ready. The people would have, oh, he's too soft. Oh, he's not ready. Like, oh, he doesn't feel, you know, he doesn't feel good. It's like he was damned either way. Because, again, he, he gave it his all that first game against two very good defensive ends, against a, a defense that's been very good this year. And like you said, we saw he wasn't effective. We saw he couldn't, he couldn't really keep up. And, and how many other football players would have been like, no, I'm going to try and gut it out next week against the Chiefs? And, you know, God forbid something happens there too. And he gets hurt even more trying again. It's like, if he would have pulled himself or if he would have been like, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not rehabbed enough yet. He would have got shit from that angle. And he, and then it's like, now he's getting shit from this angle after trying to tough it out, probably rushing back from an in, a major, major, major injury. It's like, yeah. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm with you. The, the going at him personally is is an insane move and like i get it you're a fan you can you think you can say whatever you want that was an absolute insane move to like question his toughness his desire his will to play the the second thing ravens are fucking five and one without him they're five and one it's like the offenses looked fine except for i mean the running game and what the colts game 
where Lamar ended up throwing for 442. Like if they were, if they were one in five, then I could see people ganging up and say, well, the, the offense isn't the same because Ronnie Stanley's not in there. Five and one without arguably one of the best linemen in football. Like there, there was worse things that could happen. It's, I mean, the whole, the whole thing was insane to me. And, and like Taylor, like you said, his, you could tell his tweets, they weren't put out by, uh, you know, his agent. It wasn't a, uh, copy and paste PR release. That, that was something that I'm guessing he sat down and typed through. Like he said, sitting in his hospital room, straight out of surgery. So the, the people questioning him and going at him were that was that, that, that wasn't a very Ravens fans seem to understand what's going on and, and they don't really overstep their boundaries. That felt like a, a Redskins Washington football team kind of like response from the fan base, I think. Yeah. Uh, and better news, Nick Boyle back to practice designated a return. I was just about to say, like, he's a guy who you look at the other side of the coin, who the heck knows he could have been able to play sooner. Maybe not like nobody knows anything. Like people just speculate. It's dumb. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to have Nick Boyle back. Love that guy. Just another person to put in there to block for this Ravens running game. And uh, Lev, Lev Bell elevate, or elevate, elevated, elevated today. So he's on the he's on the fifty three now, right? I think we no had no more practice squad options. Yeah, we tossed around that number two or three a couple weeks ago, and when I saw that announcement today, I kind of figured that he was out of those those uh, options. I, I, you know, I guess with that news, it's going to be interesting to see how this running back room continues to develop. We talk about this every week, but. I have Latavius Murray a little bit dinged up. I thought Devontae – we talked about this analysis. I thought Devontae Freeman looked fresh on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Tyson Williams now seems like he's totally on the outside looking in as a healthy scratch. It's a it, – that is – I mean, there's, there's you know, there's an ESPN article today that was sort of all the team's top trade targets and t- talking about a team maybe targeting Devontae Freeman if the Ravens want to go more with Bell – I feel like Freeman is more of your changeup than Bell and Latavius are, at least yeah. from a, you know, like Bell can do stuff, or Freeman sh- showed, you know, when he was at his peak, he can do some stuff out of the backfield. And be interested to see how that how that continues to go. But yeah, good gonna have, be good to have Nick Boyle back. Tight end position gets a little bit stronger, um, and, and he's a guy that has shown clearly that he is sort of the the tailor made blocking secondary tight end for this offense. Um, so Ravens back at home, one o'clock Sunday, um, should be exciting. Do we want to put a bow quickly? Cause we haven't, we've just put it off week after week on the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles season. Eric, do you want to give, you know, like a 20 minute monologue on, on your thoughts or do you want to, you know, keep it, keep it short? Um, yeah, it happened. <laughs> you no, got the I fight. Mean, was- you got the fight. Tree- here, here, I'll start here. You have the fight shirt on the Trey Mancini shirt on. Do we see him in an Orioles uniform next year? that's I was gonna say that's really the been the 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 drum everyone's been beating the last couple of weeks um when those arbitration numbers came out the the what people what they think they're gonna get I think he was like 7.9 or 8 million on the nose I mean that it's a lot of money for it's not a lot of money in baseball it's a lot of money for the Orioles it's a lot of money for an, an Orioles team that seems to not want to spend any money um I sure do hope because that would be a move that could alienate some fans. Again, I mean, I don't know if you guys read Dan Connolly's la- his latest piece in the in the Athletic. I think it was last week 
about Trey's cancer scare in June, where he had some numbers on some blood tests were elevated. And it was, of course, during June where he, I think he had his worst calendar month um, and his stats were terrible. And he was, you could tell he was pressing. And I mean, again, it just, it talked about just again, him as a person and like not wanting to take himself out of the lineup because it would hurt the team, but also like sitting there working. He got in his car, in, the, in her car, and he smashed her center console because he was so upset at the the test level, um, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of what do they do with with Trey, and is it out of is it out of the conversation to give the guy eight million dollars to stick around and and be a DH? No, it shouldn't be. Um, but it's also again like this is a business; the team is going to operate like so. And I mean, if they trade him, what do they get? Two unranked prospects from some team that doesn't make up for, for what Trey brings. I don't think. And I think teams could do a lot worse than having a guy who hits 260 and hits 25 home runs a year, their DH spot, um, especially a team like the Orioles. So I, I don't know. I have no idea if he'll be here or not. I, I really hope so. I've, I've heard some, some people think that he's gone and that's obviously not going to sit, sit well, but uh, I want him here. I think a lot of other people do too. I agree with you. It's not necessarily an on-field move that they have to make, but at a certain point, you've got to keep some guys around that the fan base is connected to. I mean, that's, this, that's the this thing. is going to get to a point you you can't run the team out another year and start to take away people that guys are emotionally connected to. And he is a guy that I think is, you know, when you're rebuilding a team, you have to have some veteran guys around to actually steward all of these. You, you can't just do it with, you know, 25, 24 year olds. You can't you, be your, your most tenured guy. Yeah. You, you you've got to have a Trey Mancini who's, who's been around a little bit and kind of deser- is kind of pulling the rope on that success. Maybe Cedric Mullins is a little bit of a guy like that too. I, I think it would be a real mistake to, not figure out a way to keep a guy who's 29 years old and if your window's in three or four years is still a potential contributor in your window mm-hmm. he's not 30 33 so he, he theoretically especially a guy that can hit it can dh in the american league is a guy that can hit you hit for you for you know a longer period of time i i I don't know the overall financials of it. I'm sure, you know, we, we get at some point, once we get more into the off season, delve into the, the, what, you know, what the Orioles have financially, but they, they, they should have a decent amount of room to pay some guys. And I, and that is a guy I would keep it, it, an organization at a certain point, you got to pay for a guy that's an ambassador. It, it, yeah. I, yeah. I just kind of piggyback off of that too. You, you do have to start keeping some of these guys. You have to have, you said you have to have veterans around to kind of foster these guys come in. I don't know that you have to like during a rebuild the entire time, but if you let, and this is a full bottoming out type of rebuild that, you know, Elias is, is bringing from Houston and we're seeing the fruits of that right now, ghost rose. Um, the, uh, you can't bottom out for too long because your culture starts to become, you're just a loser team. That's not trying for, so, you know, at a certain point you have to start actually, you know, keeping a few players around that signify or players that have helped to establish a culture or help build or move a culture forward um, and start to build some momentum 
going into the future years where these younger players are going to come up and perform. So um, they need a guy who to look up to that. And I can't think of a better person than Trey Mancini given what he's gone through. So uh, yeah, it, it would be silly. It would just be so silly to not keep him around in my opinion. And I think there's a lot of people that agree with me on that. Um, and I know that there's this um, take emotion out of everything type of approach that comes with the rebuild and comes with the analytical approach. There has to be some give and take there. And this is one where you have to give or whichever side of the two, two words there of give and take. This is one where you have to make a concession and say, it's not a concession. He's a good ball player. I mean, it's really not, it's, it's not a concession. So I don't even think it should be a conversation in my eyes. If, if he was hitting 210 with 13 home runs or. He's Chris or, Davis. Oh yeah. Don't let him get hot though. Um, <laughs> or, or, I mean, if, if Trey came out and was like, I want 20 million a year, that's a different story. And again, it's like, he's said all the right things and, and I don't think he's just saying them to say them. Like when he's like, I do want to be here. I want to be in Baltimore. I want to, you know, I think he genuinely means that. Like I, again, we, we've talked to him. Like we, you know, we, we know him. It's, there's nothing fake about it. I think he really wants to be here. And like you said, he's been here on a playoff team. He was a rookie on the playoff roster. He's seen how he's seen playoff baseball in an Oriole uniform. Not many. I think he's the only guy that can say that now. Um, you know, and again, then same thing. He's seen the bottoming out. He's, he's been through it all. It's like, it's, it's okay to reward someone like that. Like you said, and keep him around because thanks. You said it like who better to mentor these guys, not even just on the field and how to play the game and how to do things every day off the field, charity, community work, stuff like that. Like all that stuff counts. And, and again, I, there's not a better guy in baseball. I don't think to do all that than Trey. So it's, yeah, it's, well, I, it's a no brainer. What kind of message are you sending to your players that are younger and in the minors right now coming up and they, they look up to when they're in spring training to the major league team and they see a guy like Trey Mancini, who's a leader, the guy who's very respected. What kind of message do you send to those younger guys that when the guy gets his opportunity to get paid and should be rewarded, what kind of message do you send when you just kick him to the curb at a time like this for when those guys get old enough and when they have their opportunity to, to, to get a payday or, you know, I, you've said this isn't even about money per se. It's just about how an organization should treat its players. So mm-hmm. um, it's, I think it could be a real moment of uh, to kind of see where this organization's at, where it believes it's at both in the rebuild process and maybe what its values are about. So it's like, who else are you paying? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> it's not as if they're I, I understand that I'm sure they are penny they, I mean they've been penny pitching on payroll for years. That's not that's not a new story. But to like like who are you paying? Like what are you at a certain point, like what are we investing ourselves in? This is this is my big I bring this up pretty much every time we talk about the Orioles, but at a certain point, there's gotta be stuff to stay invested in. I I I'm a, I, I love the minor league guys and I, I love our guy you know, Grayson, who's, who's all over us, all over the ring. I love all these guys, but like, you've got to be able to sell the big league club as a place where there are some guys to like stay attached to. And right now, if you look at this roster, who are people attached to means sure. Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini, maybe Mountcastle, but Mountcastle season in a horrible year, 
the other guys have actually some story to them. There's some emotional story to them. The way Means is broke out, Mullins coming from getting sent down to becoming what he did this year, and then Mancini not only being a great Oriole and great in the community, but you know the stuff with with what he went through with cancer. If you let guys like that go, I mean, what are we watching? Like, what you know? Great, <laughs> yeah. good. I'm glad Pat Felik is a big leaguer, but I'm not showing up <laughs> to the ballpark for him. I'm not turning on Masson for him. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I mean, there's a bunch. I don't want to like go through and like name. He's just the first name to come to mind. So no disrespect to him, but my goodness, I mean, <laughs> this is this is this also comes down to promotion. You've also got to like actually have guys that you can put. Who's going on the billboard? You so can't elongate the, guys the, the bottom out for too long. You yeah, can't this do this for too long or else it becomes entrenched as to who you are. agrees with the rebuild. No one is going at the rebuild except for Buster Olney. Like, <laughs> but at a certain point, you got to – like, I always think of that money ball, that money ball scene where Brad Pitt is, like, walking outside of the stadium and there's just the banners are coming down, like the Giambi banner because they've lost all of them. Um, and that was a little, you know, dramatic size today. The guys like Miguel Tejado and the MVP on their team. But like <laughs> if the Trey Mancini banners fall from Oreo park, like, I guess Cedric Mullins is going on them. And I guess Ryan Mountcastle is going on them. Like who's going on the flags. Like, <laughs> like yeah. who, who are we watching here? Yeah. <laughs> and eventually it'll be Adley and Grayson. And these guys are going to be amazing and, and blah, 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 blah. I, I, uh, I hope they keep him. I really hope they keep him. I, I, and we're biased because you got a good relationship. RDT has been on the pod. He, he's great with his time to everybody. Um, but, you know, keep guys like that around. And, and then that just makes the rebuild sweeter too. Because when the guys come up and help, the, help propel those guys back to where the franchise deserves to be, it just makes it even better. So I hope they figure out a way to do it. I don't think Michael Elias is blind in fact, but I also know that they clearly make emotionless decisions, which is fine in a lot of ways. But at a certain point, as you said, Banks, I think you, made, you hit the nail on the head you're going to walk into the clubhouse now as a GM and say, yeah, you know, we just let another guy that everyone likes go. And we let this guy who got a great opportunity go. Cause we don't want to pay him an arbitration. I, whatever. Where does it uh, stop? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like the Carlos Correa dark horse signing rumors? Do you see any of those? I'm oh, that, well, I mean, I love that. They're getting Correa the and Seager. Yeah, yeah, they're they're going to move Seager to second. Yeah. They're getting Seager too. What if this was all just Michael Elias just preparing to go out and like he's had the secret agreement where he's now just going to spend millions and millions on free agents. That'd be incredible. What is it just coming off the top rope and just sign big free agents again? It's like, we've done this for so long. Now here's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. It was like me in 2010 being like, Grinky's a free agent. Think he's going to, I think they're going to be in the running for him. And then being like super upset when he signed with the angels being like, Oh, can't believe we didn't Elias must have seen that. They must have shown that bleacher report to him whenever clips they send to the, the higher ups, the Oros, and he must have been like, fuck. I don't need anybody like even considering that I'm going to sign big free agents. <laughs> oh, man. I need it. Carlos, create up Baltimore. Bring him in. Bring him in. You'd love that, Banks. That's your guy. Yeah, I would. Houston Astros. I, I love my Astros. I mean, I'd be doing this every goddamn home run. <laughs> we, we do, there's not really. I think the Mancini story was clearly just sort of the, I think the, the Sunday. The offseason banter. Yeah. There's not a ton of offseason banter at this point, Orioles wise. Looks like staff mostly going to be retained from like a major league. There's no Brandon Hyde stuff out there or anything. And there's just not a ton of like thought to like, oh, what's going on in free agency? Because the Orioles have shown no interest in free agency at from, a, you know, big fish, medium fish, or even like, 
I don't even know. Like, what fish are they going after? Like, the minnows? I mean, they, they, they have no interest. So we'll see what happens. There's just no news on that front. They, I know they, they've said that they at least they want to explore the, the free agent pitching market. Obviously, oh, not, none of the big guys. But they, you know, we've talked with Matt Harvey again and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, again, Matt Harvey's fine. But you're going to have to start getting some of these MLB quality pitchers. Yeah, you have to. You can't trot out Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken and 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 Alex Wells and guys like that again. Like you can't t- you can't toss five three of them out with with Means and Jorge Lopez, Chris Ellis, guys like that. Like you got to start getting some major league pitchers. So I, let's cross our fingers and and hope. You know, maybe maybe Elias makes a big splash with Scherzer. We'll see. The most fascinating <laughs> Orioles storyline of the. And I don't know if this will happen, and I'm just speculating. It will be like when the Baltimore Sun or someone inevitably does like the state of the Orioles financially article. That mm-hmm. is the one I would like to see. Yeah, yeah I'm, right I'm that fascinated by that. Yeah, here's which ushers they fired to save them, like yeah. 7.95 an hour. Yeah, here's who they furloughed. Here's what's going on with Masson. To me, that's the most interesting part of the Orioles right now, which is sad. That's really sad <laughs> that I'm saying that because I want to. I want to watch good baseball. Oh, we get. I mean, we get the playoffs on. Uh, just like bring it back Orioles, but I'm interested to see like, where do they see themselves and how does that affect their rebuild plan and, and all those different things. But that's, that's a, that's a topic for another day. Um, so that, that, that concludes our um, month, month wait for an Orioles season recap. There's just not much to say about the on-field product from the season. Like mm. Brian Mountcastle seems like it's going to be fun for a while. Cedric Mullins, 30, 30. That Cedric was fun. Mullins, we talked about him a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Congratulations. John, Mean, John Means really a nice bounce back after a rough middle of the season and the no-hitter was fun. Yep, and that's about it. That's really about it. Um, 52 and 110. Didn't lose 20. In Got a row. the number one pick. Got the number one pick. Got the number one pick. Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Got the number one pick, which I believe happened on like a walk-off like, or something. Happened like second to last day of the year. Arizona. Yeah, Arizona walked off the Rockies and – yeah, but then of course when when they did that, everyone was like, "Well, oh, they're going to go under slot, so it doesn't really matter." And it's like, great. Just at a certain point, I think they will probably like splurge for the guy that they really like. Well, it's, I mean, they did that badly, and obviously, Adley's a, a, a one of the best prospects they've seen in some time. But it's like, you know, they're like, "Oh, they they went under slot on Heston Kerstad." It's like, well, he was the best college bat in 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 the draft. Yes, well, they, they went under slot with Colton Cowser at five. It's like, all right, at five, it doesn't really matter because five is five. But Colton Kessler are really good, you know, when he when he when he reported. So I don't know. It, I bad. hope that we get some Hessian Kershaw next year. He was so he, good at Arkansas. He was on the instructional. I think he's he's going to be in. Um, th- that was one of the news they released that. Um, I think the instructional league roster, and he's on it, which is great news. Just from not even like a baseball standpoint, from the fact that like he's cleared to do physical activities, and it seems like he had the. I don't know if it was ever confirmed that he had the mito, um, the, the the COVID issue with the heart. Um, just the fact that he's back doing stuff like that is is awesome. Is is that is a really um, really good sign, I think. So I, I I'm I'm definitely excited about him. That's a guy that I will be keeping keeping tabs on in the. Um, Um, yeah, we will uh, get into Orioles offseason talk as news comes. Uh, let's get to our 
starting five draft presented by fed thrill uh I, this is where i would normally put the sunglasses on but i don't have them here in college park so um i'm just putting fake ones on fed thrill xp2 is the promo code get 20 percent off your sunglasses i mean banks you can speak to it you you were on the beach today it's still sunny out there you know no City. it's quite sunny out there the weather has been glorious um fall you know the thing about summer is the sun's high in the sky but you have to you know really turn your head up to really look at it and have the sun be in your eyes uh in the fall it you know it kind of takes this lower trajectory where it could potentially be more in your eyes and what do you need during the day, you need sunglasses. You need Fed Thrill sunglasses. Nobody better, nobody more affordable. That's a little thrill. Marty Marty Bass breakdown. Maybe. Little, little we weather. still got to talk to him. Damn. That's yeah, one that's just deal. been kind of hanging out on the list. Yeah, we got to get him on. We got to get him on. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh... It was recommended to me that that we get him after he retires, which I don't know when that's going to happen, just so he can be a little more Marty. That's fine. Whenever, whenever he wants to, I, I mean, we, we have a standing invitation there. Bass after dark. Whenever he mm. wants, whenever he wants to come on, we, uh, we're fine with it. Um, inspired by really nothing. We are doing uh, best sports celebrations. Uh, that is the starting five draft presented by fed thrill. Um, I'm going really totally no board here. This is going to be a straight off the head. I never got to, <laughs> I never got to make the board. That's going to be a fascinating thing for me to do. Thanks. You have the first pick RDT. You have the second pick. I have the third pick. So banks start us off best sports celebration. This is either like a celebration you can, you can just do anybody could do or a specific moment of celebration. So yeah, we left this pretty open-ended this is I, more open-ended. This was very indirectly just kind of inspired by Chad Ochocinco, by the way. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, um, good call, good call, yes. Ah, man, I didn't really want the first pick on this one, to be honest. I kind of wanted to let see, you know, see what people were picking, seeing what kind of attitude they were taking towards it, whatever, but I guess you got to go first. And uh, I'm just going to take the spike. The spike is timeless. It's classic. Uh, there's different iterations. It's It's – Gronk kind of brought it back in a big way, and I know that oh, he's a he's a patriot, whatever. But um, just a good classic spike, just timeless, hard sure. to beat. Good one. I I had Gronk spike on my list. I also had spike on my list on my three thing list right now. So okay, so just to be clear, if I would have said Gronk <laughs> spike, that would have like, like we're good with individual player celebrations like that because that's literally all I did. Never made a determination. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing like how I don't want you to think that I'm just thinking specific, like the spike and the, this, then the, that, like I'm all, I might be all over the place on this. Okay. I like it. I like it. I, I am thrilled, thrilled that you did not take this one. Wait. Strike. Deployment. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is where I didn't do research before the draft. That's so tough. Pete Weber. Right? Right? Yeah. It's hard to hear. We got the Gary Thorne at the start. So that's yeah, I mean that's Pete the best Weber, part. Who do you think you are? I am. And uh, then it's... I mean the best part of that video is his wife's just like her hands covering her face and she's just like hysterically crying. Yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. I mean that, that has to, this was, I wanted the first pick just for that. Uh, so I could take that. And I was very, uh, I was scared. Uh, 
when that's when, devastating. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's that's a one-one. That I, th- I that was going three. If you okay. Okay. It. So I'm uh, I'm I'm glad I jumped on that. It it doesn't really need any explanation either. It's just who do you think you are? I am. Yeah. You want to talk about like all-time fun things to just scream out of nowhere, like at a bar or at a party? Everybody knows it too. Everybody. Yeah, it's just it's Pete, baby. It's Pete Weber. Um, that's a great pick. That's a thank really you. really good. Thank pick. you. I was thank hoping you. you were gonna like not get there and not get there and i was just gonna shock the world with that pick but (laughs) right when you were gonna play it i knew exactly i had it queued up and then i was like oh shit banks is number one i may not get this um with that's banks at the beach that's the no prep yeah that's That's the vacation b that's vacation that's daiquiri b we'll see how yeah you're right i'm gonna take uh i think is among the most iconic individual athlete celebrations of the last 20 years. I'm taking I'm taking the Tiger fist pump. Fuck. I'm taking the Tiger fist pump. Uh, everybody now does it. He he revolutionized the fist pump being cool on a golf course. No uh. one's ever made it as cool on a golf course. And you just know Tiger from that. You know Tiger from the fist pump. Um, I have to take it. I knew that I knew that was going to be on your board, Banks, and I, I had to get it early because I, I I thought I, of it immediately after I took Spike. I panicked. I didn't. I thought I you was, were going to take. I thought you were going to take it number one. To be totally honest. Wow. This is a bad draft. This is vacation B. Just absolutely. This is, I'm just I'm I'm out to lunch right now. Just falling apart. Just falling apart. So Tiger Tiger fist pump, um, Tiger fist pump at number three. And then at number four, I'm going to take an individual moment. And I'm probably taking this too high because neither of you guys would take it, but I'm just going to take it because I'm working off a, a, a living and breathing board here that's growing as we go. Uh, I'm going to take the uh, Conor McGregor. I'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double <laughs> champ, the double champ uh, does what the fuck he wants. Uh, it, when it happened, a truly incredible, uh, one of the incredible moments in UFC history where's my fucking belt it was it, it's an incredible like three minute interview with joe rogan uh he, what's his other one he has another one that's gone like that's going viral again on tiktok which is like i, I something about explaining it in detail and he's like and i will as a matter of fact i will explain it in detail like <laughs> i forget so, exactly what he said it's just so funny he has so many good things the 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 his best clip is probably the uh the who the fuck is this guy to yeah. uh, Jeremy Stevens at the press conference, which mm-hmm. is just, I watched that press conference live and it is one of the all time press conferences ever. He is incredible. <laughs> Conor McGregor's gone a little off the rails with how good of a promo he is. There was like a two year stretch where he could not do wrong in that setting. He was so good. And now maybe it's just a shtick that's gone wrong here, but. Um, you mean like laying on the ground with a uh, broken leg? saying your wife is in me dms yeah that was yeah at that point i was you're watching that and you're like oh my god this may have just totally jumped the shark or when he was like making fun of of um khabib's like dead father like we may have we may have jumped the shark yeah. uh rdt um i'm also surprised that tiger i thought tiger was gonna go one i also thought it was gonna I, go one. That's, that's why that's... i thought i had a chance to go i thought I was going to get sniped on the Tiger and P. Weber, and I'm glad one got to me. But that's why we're going against Vacation Bay. He's put his sunglasses on. Um, the Sammy Sosa hop. There yeah. was – everyone Damn has it. done it. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it was wiffle ball. Fuck. Wiffle, wiffle ball is a good one because you can really – you know when you get it, and you can you, – I mean, you do it at the batting cages. You do it with 
it doesn't matter. It's just the coolest thing to do. You do it randomly sometimes. Uh, and again, like there was like Maguire. I mean, Maguire had a celebration. It wasn't very cool. Everyone did it, but the it Sosa kind of sweet if you have massive biceps. Well, yeah, I mean, but if you're me with like a fucking twigs for arms, I'm gonna <laughs> snap my arm, you know, trying to do it with someone. But the hop was just the coolest. And the few times that he did the hop when it wasn't a home run, it it, it doesn't. It's not even that bad because he still just looks so fucking cool. So I got I got to take Sammy's hop. It's, like that's, that's a great stuff. It, it's it's iconic. I mean, the it, I was gonna say it is. If there's like a a a five second clip I want to show of like the home run race, I, Sammy's hop has to be. And I could watch that on YouTube, just a, a running like hour long clip of just that, and I would be fine with it. I think that'd be fun. Okay. I hate this draft so much. It's going so badly for me. Uh, I'm going to take the Randy Moss moon. I just really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. You kind of get get Joe Buck with part of the pick there. Um, just what a scene that was. If you, if you don't know the backstory, he's getting – Randy Moss got mooned by Packers fans for years in addition to going into the game, like this playoff game, and he scores a touchdown, pretends to pull down his pants and moon the crowd. So it was a, it's a very fun celebration. Pretty freaking harmless. Joe that Buck is a disgusting mind. act. Yeah. Yeah, that is a disgusting act. Is it is such a good call? <laughs> I stand with you, Randy, but I also it's it's so high horse and Joe Buck like that I also respect the shit out of the call. It's, that I, is a disgusting I had it on the list. Act. <laughs> It's great. It's he great. acts like he printed out like a picture of Brett Favre's dead dad and like spiked the football on it or like rubbed his cleats on it. Like he, <laughs> he, he pretended to pull down his pants. Who gives a shit? Okay. And then I am going to take, I'm going to take the Allen Iverson step over. Mm, I, yeah, I think that's just an iconic moment for Teron Lou. Um, I hate this draft. <laughs> The Allen Iverson step over is also iconic. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a solid pick here, but I'm just so I'm disoriented by me just missing one, one. Hey, sometimes you miss one, one. Okay. Look at the Astros. They missed and we out here. We're, we out here up three, two. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. Is it me now again? Or yeah. Is it me? It is you. You guys, I think you both missed on this one. I may be taking it a little early. It's the gravest shimmy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's a, obviously a very local pick, but I, I, kinda, I mean, but it also, I, he did it in Toronto against the Wizards in that playoff series. Yeah, and I've I never thought I was going to have a chance to get this. I didn't think you guys would think of that. I, I, I knew if I didn't take it here, I thought it was going to go. So that's why I, I, I'm okay with moving up and getting it. Um, it was just, I mean, it was, it was so much fun. And people say that it's the Antoine Walker shimmy. It's not the Antoine Walker shimmy. Uh, it's the gravest shimmy and just nothing like it. Again, I mean, he carried it from, from college to the NBA. I'm sure he did it in high school. I'm sure he did it him and Duran and Montrose, but uh, I got to go. I got to go gravest. Yeah. I mean, the uh, give me the shimmy. They were, they were doing like signs with, with, with shimmies. I mean, it's, and it's 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 sad because there's no like good gif of it on Twitter. It's there is like not. a very yeah. pixelated. Looks like it was taken on like a razor, 
you could barely even make out that it's Gravis, and you just you see guys have all the here. footage. Yeah, make we, something we, happen here, Tim. Can we get yeah, that? That's the, true. Uh, no, that's probably true. That's probably that's something we could do. There, there's, there's definitely like we, we definitely should go back and do some like archived gifts that we just right now don't have the bandwidth to do. But it's not a bad idea. Not a bad. Idea. I'll take that up the higher ups. I'll, I'll walk it down right now. There's nobody. Mm. Here. Well, there is people here. We're about to do the midnight mile in a couple hours, but um, okay. I am gonna take um. And this is this is a this is not specific to anyone, and this is also one you guys aren't going to take. But I'm just taking my draft here. There is nothing that can be. Everyone's gotten obsessed with the Trey Turner slide uh, the last couple of months, like how like athletic his slide looks. There is nothing, no celebration I think that can look more athletic than a pure on the right turf, a pure soccer knee slide. Just a tremendously smooth celebration. You guys don't give a shit about this. Oh, okay. Just the knee slide, like come. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just like slide, like seemingly forty feet. Um, when you get a good soccer knee slide, it's 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 one that that speaks to me. I love a good soccer knee. Slide. And they're like rotating while they do it, kind of. Yeah, and like they like like, like spin. It's mm-hmm. also a good one that fails because people just like flop onto the ground and look like idiots. Um, they catch their knee and they fall yeah. forward and like. I'm taking the knee slide. That was like the first thing that came to mind when I thought of celebrations, just like outside of moments that like I love is and outside of people i just love the soccer knee slide look when our guys really hit it maryland soccer guys i'm like yes the knee slide let's go need a knee slide so. you need it to be like a night game where it's like a nice dew on the grass and you can, uh, yes. that gives you another 15 or 20 feet yep um i forgot to put your gravest pick in here so let me just do a little editing Jeebishimi. um <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna take the shoey. I'm gonna take the shoey. It's it's hot in the streets right now. Shoey's really hot in the streets. Daniel Very McCarthy, hot. The F1. I don't so, even know what you're talking about. The shoey? Drinking out, of, drinking out, out of, of the shoe? Drinking the beer out of the shoe? Um, I know drinking the beer out of a shoe. I I know what the problem. That's the, the shoey. Concept is there. That's the shoey. Daniel Ricardo. And then like Josh Allen said he would do it if the Bills won the Super Bowl, and then he yeah. slipped on fourth and and fourth and inches and then Maybe players have been doing that for decades dusty baker did it when they i'm gonna say it's hot in the streets right now it's hot in the yeah right yeah okay and, like people player like i love they, the they shoe I think, it's fake legs. I think it's very entertaining in the f1 stuff so i'm taking the shoe all righty back to me yep i i got a li- i got like 30 right here that yeah, I'm you, you're on. way more researched than the two of us in this draft circumstantially marshawn lynch driving the cart in in college for cal can yeah. I give a t- can I give a take on it? I think yeah. it's overrated, not that funny. Really, I yeah. love. I mean, yeah, because it's Marshawn Lynch, and we know exactly That's what Marshawn fair. Lynch is. Yeah. It it fits his personality to a T. Just jumping on a cart on a, a f- there's tons of people everywhere, and he is just. People say he's ghost riding it. He's not ghost riding it. That's not ghost riding. He's just driving it all over. And he the way he's whipping the steering wheel and <laughs> and like the way he's just leaned back in it too. It's if you haven't seen the video, go he's watch got it. A visor on his he helmet has too. a visor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The visor. Yeah. And the thing is, he took it from someone. There they, I like that wasn't planned. There's no chance it was planned. My guess is he saw it and was like, fuck it, I'm jumping on this thing. So there was some guy being like, Where is my cart? Like I, I put it, it's right, it's been here for, for four hours. And then you just look on the field and you see Marshawn Lynch in a visor and cleats like whipping it all across the field. It's a great, 
that's a moment that that should have made our things I wish Twitter was around for because the timeline <laughs> would have been popping with that. Again, I, th- I think that's another thing where we don't have great um, quality video and GIFs of that because that should be that should be a very that should be a meme that should be a gif it should be everything i think it's a good pick and i think he sold the pick well too i think their reasoning was very sound um i'm taking the ov board jumps i think in general Mm -hmm. hockey just jumping into the boards is awesome um can't really do that in hardly any other sport um but uh ov does it better than anybody he always finds like a huge it's always like a, a big game in Pittsburgh. Like the best was when he did it. Then he do it in Pittsburgh in that series when they ended up beating him. And all you saw was the like middle fingers, like directly behind. Yeah. Him. The one I think about most was like the caps were rebuilding. They were trash for a long time. Then they won like 16 of 17 to make the postseason to win the Southeast division. That and then they play maybe 07, 08, the 07, 08 so. season. And then they play, they earn a home series and game one, Rock the Red was the new thing. You know, the Caps hadn't been the playoffs for four or five years. And um, I mean, it was kind of like we've arrived. And they played this game one against the Flyers. And he goes in and scores this goal where he's very patient and waits out the goalie to make a move and then dunks it with like three minutes left in the third period or something like that. And then he just jumps into the boards. I thought it was incredible. But just his board jumps in general, just awesome. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. I like that pick. Um, man, I started to think about that pick so much. I think I just blanked on what else I wanted to maybe take. Um, man, this was such a electric moment when it happened. Uh, am I gonna take it? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Joe Horn phone call. Mm. The Joe Horn call was, uh, and people forget just how good Joe Horn was, which is kind of a shame. He was a good receiver for a good, good long while there in, in New Orleans before they became the Saints, you know, that you became to know with Drew Brees and everything. So, um, yeah. And I think that that was also um, celebrations were hot in the streets then, at least in terms of like towing the line of what was legal, what wasn't. And then that was almost like the last straw before the league, like, I think, reined it in a little bit because of the that props. And, yeah the props was like okay this is too much now so it took like a decade for us to come back to a place where okay like let's loosen this and now they're going back to like the taunting thing whatever but joe horn i saw there was an interview i saw when i was doing my research for this and it was like a sit down on espn and he's like i didn't hurt anyone like it wasn't my intention to hurt anyone i didn't i didn't do anything bad he's like it's a cell phone and it, that's 100 percent it like guy to cell phone underneath underneath the thing and people thought people acted like it was like a knife or a gun <laughs> he, had, he had fun with it I, I like that is this is this my last one yep happy gilmore riding the bull feeling it feeling it feeling the flow feeling the flow wow happy gilmore again if you haven't done that and like at the batting cages, at the driving range, at anywhere with a broom or anything like that. It's just, you haven't lived. You have not lived. I've gone back and forth 40 times on this last pick to a bunch of different things that I'm looking up, but I'm taking something that crosses over between uh, WWE and boxing. I don't, and, and it's sort of a UFC thing too, um, but you do it in a different way. Uh, no, not that. 
just <laughs> getting up onto the like the turnbuckle on the ropes and just looking over a crowd after you've beaten someone, whether it be in a fake uh, uh, athletic action or a real one. There's not many things I'd like rather do as a celebration than that if I was athletic and could be in those things. Like if you're a boxer, it means you've gained superiority over someone physically when you were trying to take separate each other from their senses in wrestling. You're just out there living the crowd, baby. There's a thousand things you do, you know, the guys do, fist up, whatever. Turnbuckle, turnbuckle, Sally. I love that. I love, always loved it. It's also a good pick. Yeah. Um. Okay. Thanks for the spike, the Randy Moss moon, the Allen Iverson step over, the OV board jumps, and the Joe Horn call. RDT took Pete Weber, Sammy Sosa hop, the GB shimmy, the Marshawn Lynch uh, joyride, and the Happy Gilmore celebration. I took the Tiger fist pump, Connor McGregor, um, the soccer knee slide, the shoey, and the turnbuckle celebration. Um, there's a thousand things that we could go through here. Um, as honorable mentions, there's like 400 celebrations you can do in FIFA that could all have been considered for this list. Dead fish. Dead fish is so good. I, I am my honorable mention. I had the, that ice light, that ice Landic um, soccer team that did that like clip that went oh, like, yeah, yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. The whole team did the dead fish and like, or not the dead fish. Real to man. It's so good. And the picture, it's great. Um, I had Jose Bautista bat flip to on the star Dion high step. Prince Fielder with the bomb. Do you yeah. remember that one? Thanks. You yeah. remember that one? Yeah. Kirk Gibson fist pump. Um, T.O. Sharpie. Sean yeah, the Sharpie. I almost took the Sharpie. T.O. Um, Sean Merriman lights out. Another great one. Um, thanks. I thought you were going to go OV hot stick. I was going to do that, and I switched to the board jump. I like the board mm-hmm. jump better. That's off. It's common. Should yeah, because that's off. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, Zach Johnson's caddy. <laughs> Uh, what about Hideki Matsuyama's caddy? Oh man! A salute to the course. A salute to the course. It's so good. The ba- I'm sorry, the battle. So of the good. The battle of the course. It's so battle good. The course is amazing. Uh, I, I thought so about good. the Indy 500 milk chug. Uh, you have the Indy 500 milk chug and the Indy 500 climb up the um the, the, the climb yeah. up the fence as well. That's a that's a that's one. Uh, kissing kissing the bricks is that a is that a celebration? Too? That is another one that you can yeah. do. Um, some other racing ones. Uh, the victory lap is a clear celebration, and then Carl donuts. Edwards, Carl Ed- donuts, the burnout, the burnout. Yeah. Carl Edwards used to do a backflip off the car. Uh, That's true. Yeah, that. Yep. Um, I also, I mean, Reggie Miller choke for Spike Lee is an all timer. Yeah, I would. I, Brandy Chastain was almost taken by me. Uh, that too. Um, any group bobsled. It's always a football team, and they all the group bobsled is always great. Yeah, I was thinking about Theo Fleury with the uh, with the canoe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, any any goalpost dunk? I'm a big goalpost dunk guy. Oh, Tory Smith against NC State. Yeah, Tory Smith. Yeah, never forget. Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis getting blocked by the goalpost too. Uh, <laughs> Desmond Howard's Heisman. The Jordan shrug. Um, do you remember? I Golden was thinking Tate? about the shrug. Golden Tate jumping into the Michigan State band. He. I thought about down. taking. Was it? Lockett that did the poop in the Super Bowl that people come that people glazed over that celebration in the Super Bowl. Tyler Lockett was it was no. it Tyler Lockett or was it uh what's the other guy they had for a while there? Uh Doug Baldwin. I'm I think it was Doug Baldwin. He did the poop the football. Oh, I do. How about the, uh, the <laughs> yeah, it was the Super Bowl and they flagged him for it and they <laughs> they didn't show it, I think. I think they um, <laughs> Typical, but yeah, he did a Super Bowl. 
There, there's another one. There's I don't know if you guys have seen this. This is like one of the this may be pound for pound the best bat flip. Tom Lawless played for the Cardinals and hit two home runs in his career in in game four of the 1987 World Series. 1987, he batted 0-8-0. He hit a home run in the World Series, and this man bat flipped to the moon. If you've never seen this, look it up on YouTube. Tom Lawless. It's it, his career average is 207. And he has two home runs in his career and three, including this one. It's an unbelievable. And it's like Al Michaels. On oh, the I've, I've seen this one. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like he should be an urban light. I mean, he's it's, it's crazy. I almost picked that, but I feel like I had to take that as an honorable mention just because just it's, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. One of my, my last one is uh, now an NFL player. The Elijah Moore leg lift in the egg bowl is one of the mm. all time bad celebration. Penalties. <laughs> Cost this team the game now plays for the jets. So he's not winning many more games. Good draft. Good draft. There was probably better. You could probably make a bunch. I mean, you could do this draft 40 times over. There's Elijah Moore. It was a second round pick. Yeah, he was kind of a ooh, he's playing, maybe first round. He's playing, yeah, for the Jets, then, he's playing for the Jets right now. Yeah, people like him. No, he's yeah. he's good. Just decided to act like a dog peeing and and yeah, no, I, I recall the consequences. Uh, shout out to Fedro, twenty percent off. X fifty two is the promo code. Nick Caner Medley, Maryland person of the week. RDT. I could go two ways. Um, I may be stealing yours. Taylor, I'm going to go Kevin Herter, getting paid. Mm. Extension season mm. in the NBA, four years, 65 mil. Um, it's cool to see, you know, again, a guy that kind of like the Jake Lehman, where we saw him come in and grow into his body and become, I mean, he was a damn good player as a freshman. That, that block against, was that, that was his freshman year, right, Georgetown? Yes. That's one of the, that's one of like, a, in the last 15 years, that's one of the best Maryland games out there. Very and good game. Like, I feel like that gets buried and like it just doesn't get talked about much. And it's it's in that both of those games. It's in that last. It's in the last. um, It's in the last mellow season, I believe. It's at the beginning of the last mellow season, Mm -hmm. and I just think people like the last mellow season. Such a weird year. They weren't bad. They just like petered out against you know Xavier, whoever, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Uh, and but I mean, like both of those Georgetown games were fantastic. But um, there's also also in that season you have the mellow game winner in his last game. mm -hmm. Michigan State. I was there. Really, be more a more iconic moment than this. I I I still had my Instagram up that said uh, mellow. Just I took a video that that shot and I said mellow just sent Izzo to the NIT. And then I think that's the year that they went to – I think they went to a Final Four that year again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michigan State, because that's when it was like, oh, they're done. This is it. Like, But, yeah, I mean, Herter getting paid again is really he – a, he had a really cool quote today about it too. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, talking about how like a million dollars to him and his family and his friends is life-changing money. So he's Great. like, I'll never take this for granted. And like, again, I mean, Banks and I sat next to him at a game once. Taylor, I'm yeah. sure you know him really well. I tried to buy him a beer when he was 19. He said no. So he's a great kid. You could tell that. Um, but again, just it, it's it's always fun seeing the guys that you you root for, getting paid, being on a good team, and and I mean he had an awesome in that playoff game. How how many did he have in that playoff game? Like 35. Um, something he, he had a really good game. At, something like I don't that. Yeah. The number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I, I just re- really cool to see and um, always love seeing the Terps get paid and, and having good NBA careers. So 
Banks? I'm going to take my Star Boys. Houston Astros. My Astros. Um, it, it's not as much about the Astros right now for me as it is Red Sox fans, just especially after they were laying the pipe in game three on the Astros. The parading that was going on on Twitter, by Boston Twitter, I'm like watching Monday Night Football with the with the baseball game on the other TV, um, and they're just parading as they're running up the score in one game. It's just game three, and they're acting like the like they're in the World Series now just because they won a game three or they're up big in a game three, and then the Astros coming back and just winning a big game in game four and then laying the pipe here in game five. Um, I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. I'm enjoying it so much. Uh, I mean, Dave Portnoy saying. Hey, Yankees fans, you are welcome in the middle of that game as if the job is done. Like, come on, come on. So that's, it's almost the entire crux of my shtick here with the Astros is that people are still making this about three years ago or whatever year it was. The Astros are good. Get over it. Yeah, they're very good. They're, the, yeah. the, thing I, the thing I blogged last week, Altuve's third all time now in postseason home runs is unbelievable. That is crazy. Because he's played – I think this is his 72nd or 73rd game compared to Manny Ramirez who played in like 129 and then Bernie Williams who played in like 111, I think. The fact that like he's doing that those – the number – and again, every comment was like, oh, well, well, you know, how many did he know were coming? Dude, he's, he's, gonna, he's a he's Hall of Famer. He's five foot five, man. He's a, he's like, a Hall of Fame player. You still have to yeah. hit the ball. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's unreal. And then you can make all kinds of arguments about records on the road and mm-hmm. stats on the road, like whatever. Just so fucking sick of it. It's the same, it's the same thing I said last year with this. I'm just so sick of everybody whining about that. Sorry. Well, again, the Astros are good. Sorry. It's also like if if you don't think your team was cheating or you have a guy on your team that was cheating, like I'd be happy with that. But he's one of the best players we've seen. I'm happy for you and your Astros. We'll say that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I know, I mean, it's been I'm a not. tough couple of uh, years for you. I'm not. Taking that Metro down to, down to Nats Park by yourself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I, I am going to take as my, uh, my, my thing, I guess. It's not a person. Uh, we've got college basketball buzz coming. We've got polls coming out. Got bracket first bracketologist coming out. We got all American season <laughs> list coming out. What uh what what region is Maryland in? Yeah, what's the Spokane? Match? Spokane? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. But um, <laughs> college basketball is close. It's close. It's very very close. It's like three weeks away. Need it. Absolutely need it. So, just the buzz. Well, the buzz. Why was what's going on with football? For college football. I mean, college football is very entertaining. Maryland's four and two, two games away from a bowl. Big game. Who do, they, who do they play this week? For the Terps against Minnesota. Big game. A little bit of a swing yeah. game. Win this game, then you got two two really good opportunities to win your sixth game against Indiana. And, uh, and it's right. at Minnesota, right? They at were Minnesota. here. Yeah, they were here for them. They, they were, were here last year. year. Yeah, and come back on a Friday night. Woo! That's right. I was down here in Ocean City for that. The Talia coming out party. Good times. Yeah. Amazing yeah, football game. Um, my honorable mentions: uh, Bachelorette back this week. I know you guys care about that. Uh, back. It's always back. It's always yeah, on. It's, it's always it never ends. Never. Michelle Young, one of the more likable bachelorettes in a while, former basketball star at Bradley, I think. They only talked about that 400 times in the first episode. And um, and Big Booty, 20. 
fire. Mm. Uh, and, yeah. and, and RDT, I have to, I have to call you out here. Your initial tweets about the situation saying you were going to not influence people's opinions and then putting like, you know, frown emojis on the quote tweet. I, it was one. I think it was yeah. one emoji. I mean, come on, give, give it a, give it a little bit more of a chance than one. Listen, what did, I mean, come on. Have we all listened? Thanks. Have you listened? Yeah. It's fuego. Uh, it's great. I don't know. I, I, again, I listened to it yesterday morning. I listened to it this morning. It's grown on me. I'll, I will definitely say that it's grown on me. I don't think it's as good as 18 or 19, but again, okay, that's hard, fair. I mean, it's hard, can, it's yeah. hard to live up to those. Yeah. I, I, again, it's, it's growing on me. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad big booty lands at peace again. Yes. Assless Jack and uh, Slim Bobway have been defeated by, uh, by, yeah, no, that is not something I just made up. Uh, that <laughs> big booty man in his army, which includes all three of us. We are all members of big booty man's army. So they can, they can take our lives, but they can't take, take our wagons. wagons. They can't take our wagons. They can't take our wagons. No. Uh, yeah. Any honorable mentions for you guys and we'll get out of here. Derek Henry. I don't know that I really do. Uh, I'll, Eric I'll Costa, do John Harbaugh. I mean, you want to say rum, rum point golf links secrets. Layton, Layton, off-season secrets, you know. Sometimes the best secrets. Yeah, not a, we, we've had we off-season midweek off secrets. Yeah, man, there it absolutely is. That's right. that's what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. shout out to Layton. Shout yeah. out to Big Booty Land. Shout out, not shout out to Slim Bobway. But we we need that. Two friends comes to Washington D.C. I was give them free promotion it's in March, February fifth, and it's like it's February. In, yeah, February fifth. Uh, we need to figure out a way to get two friends on here before they come here. Promote them. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. We'll make a thing of that. And uh, we love yeah. some two friends. We, we buzz, buzz, buzz about a wizard sons, and then big booty. There's buzz. Ooh, is there? There's big buzz. time buzz about a double header there for the boys. There's significant buzz. Um, that's it, guys. I'm about to head to. Uh, Ludwig Field here for the. Oh, we don't want to do a Wizards preview. They were smoking the Raptors. I saw they're only oh, up thirteen. I didn't even know they were playing tonight. I just know you, NBA's back. You want to hear the, <laughs> the Wizards preview? And I, I wish oh. the Wizards were better. It would be a lot more fun. Um, but the Washington Post, the Washington Post column is was like I think Dan Steinberg might have wrote it. I think was the Wizards ready for another season of meh. I mean, if that doesn't, <laughs> that's, if that headline doesn't stump the Wizards, I have no. They're I forgot Dan Steinberg existed. One and by fifteen. They're one and zero. They won. Oh, they won. They won by fifteen. Congrats to Wes Unsell Jr. That's a neat. Wow. That's, a, that's a cool Good story for him, man. Yes. Montrez Harrell with twenty-two points off the bench. Did you hear Montrez Harrell got the first tech of the NBA season because he was shit talking to Drake? That's awesome. Swear to God, the Wizards that's, going That's on a real thing. I, let me tell you what, the Raptors are a little transition. I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year. You don't go into Toronto in their first game in like 600 days, home game in, in Toronto, and just walk out uh, there with a win. I mean, that's that's huge. Bertans only huge. played three minute, 13 minutes. What a horrible You, you want to talk about that. a bad contract. What Jeez, a horrible contract Christ. that is. Oh, the um, – the um the Israeli sensation eight points in twenty one minutes plus thirteen love to I'm see that he played yeah I mean that's hopefully he's getting better oh. Corey Kisper DNP but it's all right Daniel Gafford gets the start at center for the Wizards tonight. he just got didn't he just get right. paid? is that the guy that they just paid all right guys I made a little joke about the Wizards but come on guys I mean, <laughs> what a win though what maybe it's called Pope get that get that jersey get that jersey Brad Beal twenty three points good for the Wizards.
Um, the Wiz. We'll be back with the incident analysis post Ravens Bengals. Great divisional matchup. And it's a uh, one o'clock game. One o'clock on Sunday. So, um, Banks, will you be live from Ocean City again? Uh, no, I'll be back. You'll be, be back, back. For, for the Pandas tomorrow night. Pandas tomorrow night. Kickball. Yes. Oh, that's true. I will not. Regular season finale. I will be in East Lansing, Michigan. Ouch. Um, yeah. Um, well, you know, yes and no. I hate missing the Pandas, but duty calls. Uh, one o'clock Sunday. Hopefully, maybe we'll be out. We'll be out walking the tailgates. Who knows? Maybe we'll we'll run into some listeners at some point as we roll through here. Um, and then back for the normal show next week. Um, appreciate everyone listening. Make sure to follow us on all the social medias at Barstool Banks at E D I T T I twenty two at Taylor's by ten on Twitter at X fifty two podcast Twitter and Instagram. The Twitter support, by the way, has been fantastic. Jumped over the four thousand follow mark. It keeps going up. People liking, retweeting. Really appreciate all that support. The three of us appreciate it. Our guy, Ramey, who's throwing out some tweets for it, who's, you know, big in the Ravens, um, you know, social media sphere on his own account has, has helped us with some work and our nameless social media intern, all contributing to the cause. So appreciate all the support on that platform and uh, only want to make it bigger and better uh, for all of you guys. Thanks to Fed Thrill. Thanks to Jimmy Seafood. And we will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood.